Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you for joining me on this journey through places that our Savior went in the last two days before his crucifixion. These were special places to our Savior. They didn't just happenstance happen. They had a purpose. Tonight we, we go to the upper room. And of course, in that upper room, we have to consider the feast of the Passover that's being celebrated and how Jesus takes and adds a new dynamic to that feast of the Passover as in the midst of that Passover feast, he himself becomes a Passover lamb. He himself takes upon himself the title that John the Baptist had bestowed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As I said at the introduction to the service, where Jesus met with his disciples was the upper room. It's in Greek, kata, luma. It's okay, luma is room, kata is, you got it. The room above. Most families had a kataluma, and it was used for guests. At the time of Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary make their way down from Nazareth and plan on staying with relatives, most likely. But so many relatives have shown up in Bethlehem, the city of David, especially since both Mary and Joseph are of the lineage of David that the upper room was just too crowded. And so they make their way into the lower floor where there is a stable. And there Mary gives birth to her firstborn son. Not in the comforts of the guest room, the upper room, but in the lowly stable. But as Jesus prepares for the end of his life, he doesn't take his disciples to a stable. But he takes them to an upper room. That intimate place where he can celebrate the Passover with his family, his disciples. Where he can teach them once more the lore of God causing the angel of death to pass over his people. Because the door frames of the houses were painted with the blood of an unblemished lamb. Now there's a set ritual to the Passover, and we can place where Jesus takes the bread and says, Take, eat, this is my body. We can place where Jesus takes the cup. And gives it to them and says, take, drink, this is my blood of the covenant, the New Testament. And the rest of the feast centers around why do we do things different today? When we come to the Lord's table, invited by him, why do we do things differently as we receive that little wafer? 
that little cup? Why are these different from our everyday food? Why are they so special? And it's because of that upper room. You see, not just anybody was in that upper room, but only those whom Jesus had invited. And there is some question. The, the Passion reading I just read clearly has Judas there when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. But if you read the Gospels, there's nowhere that it says he was or he wasn't. And so it's supposition. But even if he does to betray Jesus... He's still invited there by him because he is one of the twelve. And Jesus doesn't give up on his family and friends. And Jesus holds hope that maybe in the dialogue, maybe in reaching out with that bread, Judas will come forward and say, Lord, I've done a terrible thing. Help me. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. Unfortunately, Judas takes the bread and runs out the door into the night, and his fate is sealed. We'll talk more about Judas next week when we come to the Garden of Gethsemane, but let's, let's go back to that upper room and what Jesus tells his disciples. You see, he gives them a new commandment. The Jews knew there were two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Or might, depending on how you translate that word. Second commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, no. Here's my new commandment for you. You know, I got a question for you. Do you have days where you just don't really like yourself? You don't, you don't like what your life has become? Does that mean that you get a pass on that day? You don't have to love your neighbor either? Um, by the way, I don't see any of you raising your hand, but I think most of the people out in the world would be raising their hand and say, yeah, you know what, if I can't love myself, I don't need to love anybody else either. So Jesus sets a new standard. Look to the cross. Love one another as I have loved you. Any questions? End of commandment. As we look at what Jesus tells his disciples about glorifying God and being glorified by God, of the Son loving the Father and living out that life, of serving one another, setting aside the high pomp and the tapestry and getting down on his knees to wash their feet as a lowly servant. Love one another as I have loved you. As Jesus draws that family close in the upper room and dines with them, to give them that spiritual food to carry them through the next 36 hours. A little longer than that, but we'll, we'll fudge a little bit. From the time he's nailed to the cross to the time the women come and say, 
They've taken his body, and we don't know where it is. That spiritual food feeds the disciples and keeps them from doing a Judas and running into the night. Jesus doesn't leave his family and friends alone. He invites them in. What have you done to be worthy enough to receive the Savior's body and blood? What worthy deed makes you worthy of dining at his table? There is not a thing that you or I could do that would make us worthy to stand at this table and receive that blessed meal that our Savior has prepared for us. There is nothing that you or I could ever do that would earn the right to take his body and blood. And that's precisely as it should be. The disciples did nothing worthy for Jesus to consider them his family and friends and to invite them to that kataluma, that intimate place where they would have the meal of the Passover. And as he changes that into the new sacrament of his body and blood, he institutes for them a special place, an upper room, where they can go and be welcome. But you know, as they go out and they spread that word, that upper room extends. That upper room is here today because Jesus says it's slow. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You and I gather in the upper room at the invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ in remembrance of his passion, marked with ashes for the sorrow over our sins that sent him to that cross. And we begin our journey in that upper room, celebrating that meal that he has given to us. To prepare us for the 40 days. To prepare us for that journey that we're on journey of renewal, a, re a journey of sacrifice, a journey of reconciliation and repentance, but mostly a journey of hearing again about God's loving mercy in sending His Son to die for us. God, choosing to take his wrath over sin out upon his own son rather than us. That's the journey we're on beginning tonight. That is the journey that we celebrate on Easter as we sing hallelujahs and as we proclaim Christ is risen. don't understand that Christ is risen. 
Unless we understand this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, broken in death on the cross. As we leave this upper room, may that food that he gives to us strengthen us. May our the doorposts of our heart being marked with the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ cause us to remember that death has passed us over. May the ashes that we bear remind us of our sorrow over our sins and of the gifts that our Savior gives to us. Come at His invitation to the table that he prepares. Receive that food that he supplies for you, free of charge for you and me, but costing him his very life. In the same Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.